0: Southern Sisters Radio, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. Join us as we celebrate life from a Southern point of view. Here's your host, author, founder of Southern Sisters Home, and true Southern sister, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Hello and welcome to the Southern Sisters Radio program, the show for Southern women and the men who adore us. It's good to be adored. We've talked about that often, haven't we, Nick?
1: (laughs) (laughs) There are many of us out here, Jenny, many of us. Yes,
0: (laughs) yes. Well, guys, this was Thanksgiving week, and what a week it was. I have to tell you, it was uh, a little little cray-cray at my house.
1: <laughs> That's not supposed to be at Thanksgiving, though, a little bit, isn't it? Is it? It's not a normal Thanksgiving, at least not in my family. It's right. not a normal Thanksgiving if there's not a little bit of crazy with football on the TV, right?
0: <laughs> You know, I always say, the key to happiness is to keep your expectations low. <laughs> don't, don't expect it to be perfect, because guess what, folks? It never is, but it's pretty darn close to perfect, oh, I yes. like to say like like Mary Poppins, it's practically perfect, but not, if my kids are around the table, it's it's a good there thing. There you go. That's all, I, that's all I really need. But yes, indeed, for those of you that have small children at home, and I remember what those days were like, <laughs> uh, a lot, you know, lack of sleep, um, you know, a little chaos, that kind of thing. I got news for you, you guys with little ones. It, it didn't really get better. <laughs> No, it does. Thanks. <laughs> Let's just say it gets different.
1: It gets a different.
0: You know what I'm saying? one a little word. It. it gets a little bit different. Um, in the in the early years, you know, I always say you're worried about more like, um, you know, uh, physical things that could happen to the kids, like they're going to choke on something, okay, or they're going to stick their fingers in the electric <laughs> socket, right? Yes. <laughs> and then as they get older, you worry about things like, oh, you know, are they ha- going to have nice friends? Are they going to you know are they going to have a good time at school yeah that kind of thing mm-hmm. and then they grow up and they move away you you kind of still worry about them
1: because uh, it's, it's natural isn't it you
0: do you yeah. do so it's such a wonderful thing uh to see them come back through the door you know <laughs> for thanksgiving for hol- uh, for you know holiday time really any yeah. of the holidays when they're home or over the over the christmas break mine are uh, i have two married and two not so mm-hmm. two are often on their own married and two are still in college mm-hmm. uh, and it's such a wonderful thing to have so that's home. a fun
1: dynamic, though.
0: It is having
1: everyone basically be an adult to some degree yeah. around the, the dinner table. Exactly. That's be fun.
0: You know, surprisingly, though, when they come home to stay, I'm not so sure how adult they are <laughs> because they they kind of forget. You know, and and folks, I, I would love to hear your stories. If you have some fun stories of college kids that have come home for the holidays, and um, they forget how to do basic things, <laughs> they revert
1: back, right? They do to those, to those elementary years? Yes, they revert. Um,
0: so let's just say they forget how. They definitely forget how to do laundry. Right, we were so we were so
1: eager to get out, and then we got out and went, uh oh. Oh man, <laughs> man, I want to go back, mommy. Mommy, I know. I think
0: my kids have a whole new appreciation for, for everything I did for them. They never starved. You know, I, I fed them three times a day as they were growing up. And right? it was more than just ramen. And it was more so than ramen counts. or mac and cheese. Yes. Not that we didn't have an occasional night like that. But. but yeah, the kids are home. And for those of you whose, whose homes have been just bursting at the seams with relatives, right, mm-hmm. family members and friends, uh, home for Thanksgiving, um, you know what I'm talking about. But what... You know, despite the chaos, right? Despite the noise, um, despite the, who knows, you may have even had a little drama at yeah. your house. It, it does. It's an interesting dynamic when, when families come together, isn't it?
1: Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: you know, we here in the South have a reputation for handling all such things with particular style and grace, mm-hmm. I like to Absolutely. say. You know what I'm saying? So even if we, uh, you know, we're feeling something, we don't necessarily let it show.
1: Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Take it out in the backyard. (laughs) Take
0: it out in the backyard. Well, I will say that around my house, normally it's just my husband and I. My husband Earl and I. Uh, So I've gotten to the point where now I run the household for two people, and I know what that's like, Mm. you know. But one of the funny things about the kids being home over the holidays is it just everything changes. For example, um, well, the first of all, the food disappears quicker. (laughs) That's to be expected, though. I don't mind that at all. But then, you know. It, it, normally when it's just me and my husband at home, I go to bed at night. I come up out in the morning and the house is pretty much the way that I left it when I went to bed. Yeah. Right? I don't have any little house gremlins running around the house messing things up. But now when the kids are home, I come in, in the morning and, uh, you know, there's some Nutella smeared on the kitchen counter. <laughs> there's There's just... Miscellaneous items strewed about. (laughs) Suddenly
1: dishes stacked up in the sink that weren't there.
0: Those weren't there when I went to bed. And you know, last night I was up till almost one. So I'm trying to figure out when, who got up in the middle of the night and was eating Nutella. (laughs) But that's just so typical at my house. It Uh, it really a lot of late night eating going on, I think, after I I go to bed. And also, how about the coming home late at night? Yeah. Okay, so what my children like to remind me, my adult children, like to remind me that mom you know when we're away at school you don't know what time we're coming home right we don't call and check in with you and yet when we come home for the holidays you want us to let you know
1: oh yeah Right. I think that's understandable. Well, here's the. I guess the one biggest question too in today's world with today's technology is: Do you have an alarm at your house? Because that makes a big deal too. Yes. Because all of a sudden you hear the beeping and the booping and you're not used to it and you freak out and right. walking downstairs yep. in your bathrobe, I know <laughs> ready no. to do something. You're like, oh, I forgot the kids are home.
0: Making sure it's <laughs> right. I forgot they're home. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I counter their argument because you they're saying, Mom, we're adults now. We don't need to let you know where we are every minute. And I I always tell them, listen. If I was, let's say I was going to visit a friend, okay, and I was a house guest, and I was staying at my friend's house, and I was going out in the evening, and let's say I was not going to be home until after midnight, I would give them the courtesy of a phone call.
1: Letting them know? Yes. I will agree. Some common decency Mm -hmm. taken into play there. Yeah. Absolutely. Mama
0: has made her wishes known. (laughs) Believe me, they understand now. (laughs) Anyway, so I have to tell you, um, it was a fun week at my house with Thanksgiving, and I'd like to give a little bit of a suggestion here to those of you that enjoy sort of trying your hand at making your own Thanksgiving decorations. Yes. Okay. Now I love to do like a homemade floral arrangement to put down the center of the table. Absolutely. Okay? Um, it's usually not anything too terribly elaborate, but I just kind of like to kind of get my hands in it and kind of play That's around. That with
1: harvesty feel. Harvesty yeah. feel.
0: It's also a lot cheaper than going out and have one, you know, having True. one made, yes. right? So I will give a little suggestion, though, to all of you that are, are thinking of going out and clipping things from the yard. Um, I did make a beautiful arrangement. It kind of ran down the center of my Thanksgiving table. And I combined uh, a few little dried uh, elements, you know, dried uh, floral things mm-hmm. with some fresh things that I picked from the yard. I had some gorgeous Uh, kind of ruby dark ruby red uh, fall leaves oh very nice right and then i had some i even stuck a little bit of boxwood in there that green shrubbery type of stuff kind of filled it out a little bit um and it looked gorgeous and i have to tell you you know everyone's sitting around and sort of admiring uh the floral display but if you're going to do this i would recommend in the future um maybe checking them for bugs first Uh uh-oh yeah.
1: You had little creepy, crawly critters popping happen. out of it your It can happen, Nick. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't anything uh,
0: terrible, but, you know, if it's been outside and you clip it and bring it inside and stick it in, a, in an arrangement on your table, um, it's entirely likely that there could be a couple of little critters, you know, hiding in the leaves. I don't right? well,
1: give them a good little shakedown or something, mm, maybe. Well, you bring let's them just in the house. say,
0: okay, here's how a good Southern woman handles such a thing. Okay, so you see, here is said insect crawling out of my floral arrangement, mm-hmm. okay? A good Southern hostess will find a way to distribute. Discreetly, discreetly reach over and kind of flick it away. It. Yeah, yes. you, you don't draw You don't draw attention to yourself. <laughs> Try not to make a big deal. This don't squeal art. or scream. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I actually remember now my 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 great aunt uh, telling me that when she would pick fresh flowers from the yard, she would lay them on the kitchen counter for about an hour. And that gives the little things to, time to, okay. you there know, you evacuate yeah. the floral arrangement, right? Now, how about this? Um, how many of you have decorated for Christmas already?
1: <laughs> That's right. It's 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 soon. Fear for me.
0: Right?
1: I, I know some people who have their stuff up the beginning of November.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm now, not one of those. There's two, well, there's two camps of people on that. Here's what I find. Typically, the people who are responsible for doing the decorating are the ones that are going to maybe decorate a little bit earlier. Because they, they know how much work is involved. True. So if you can get it all up, th- let's just put it this way, the mothers that are out there and they're responsible for decorating the house and doing all the Christmas shopping and all the cooking and the baking and the school plays and the school, you know what I'm saying? Yes. A lot of times if they can get that decorating done earlier, then they can kind of relax a little bit. Very true. And then the holidays aren't so stressful.
1: Oh do no. so. I, I do the decorating. I just don't plan coordinate the I'm just the muscle <laughs> I got you. that's
0: an important job though Nick <laughs> muscle is muscle's important in my house right? uh, yes, I, I haven't done a thing yet <laughs> I'll panic at the last minute
1: Oh, it'll be happening folks soon.
0: we have got a great show for you today we have got some extraordinary ideas for your Thanksgiving leftovers we do Whoa. some Christmas traditions there and a go. southern narrative that you're gonna love plus we're giving away a cookbook in the next segment there you go don't go away Telly, Nelly, come to the table, Mabel. Now sit up straight, Kate. It's time to eat, Pete. Have a banana, Hannah. Try the salami, Tommy. Get with the gravy, Davy. Everybody eats when they come to my house. And welcome back Quiet. to the Southern Sisters Radio Program. It's the food segment, always my favorite segment. Because I like to eat so much. (laughs) You know, I've often been asked because I write cookbooks. Gee, you know, you really must love to cook. And I do. Right. I do love to cook. But the truth is, and I've often said this. Let's be real. I just love to eat, and cooking—cooking <laughs> cooking is eating. a means to an end. You know what I mean. Very valid point. Right? Right? If I didn't love to eat so much, everybody I probably wouldn't bother. Everybody
1: likes the eating just a little oh, bit more, right? I know, right?
0: And everybody eats when they come to my house. It's what they've been doing this week because we had not oh, yes. only the turkey, but we had a big old honey baked ham.
1: Oh, so great! Yeah,
0: so I love. I believe in the classic Thanksgiving. One of the worst disasters I had, now, of course, disaster is a relative term. For me, me, if everybody doesn't love everything, it's a disaster, right? (laughs) One of the worst things I did was maybe, um, probably 15, 20 years ago, the kids were young, and I experimented with a a stuffing or a dressing recipe, Mm -hmm. right? And it was a recipe that I had uh, found in Bon Appetit magazine. And I do love that magazine. No no offense to that. However, um, when you have a family that is used to your homemade, Mm. family-style cornbread dressing, Mm -hmm. Right. And then you try to go and make a corn, you know, make a make a dressing that's got, you know, 24 ingredients in it. You know, crazy stuff. Right. It was just it was a lot of work and everybody just kind of went.
1: It's not your dressing, right? Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. it's
0: it's the comfort of those those time honored recipes, the ones you've been making for years and years. And folks, I always like to say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
1: (laughs) There you go. Don't feel (laughs) you
0: need to fancy it up just because of something you've seen or read in a magazine. If you've got a recipe you want to try, try it, but don't feel like it needs to be. Something different than what you truly love and are used to preparing.
1: It's about that home comfort, Mm. right? When it comes to Thanksgiving, yeah. And and knowing you're having it just the way Mama makes it, because that's because Mama made it.
0: Because Mama made it. it. it, it That's what makes it special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, uh, every year now the kids say, "Please make that, you know, make the regular cornbread dressing." (laughs) I've been making that doggone dressing for twenty something years. One time I tried something different, and now I get a warning every Thanksgiving. (laughs) Don't don't make that weird dressing with the oysters and the sausage. Just
1: your. Don't get fancy. No, I'm, not, I'm
0: not getting fancy, folks. You can count on that. Um, but you know what we do have at my house right now are a lot of leftovers.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. many. You've got lunch for days.
0: Yeah. Folks, are you overflowing with turkey? Right. Are you swamped with sweet potatoes <laughs> I like that? Yes. I'm going to give you some ideas of things you can do to kind of use up some of those leftovers. And these are what I call extraordinary leftovers. OK, oh. how about this thought? If the extra sweet potatoes that you may have. Mm-hmm. How, and this is I've done this. It's wonderful. Stirring it into pancake batter to create a sweet potato pancake. Ooh. right. That
1: sounds really. Yeah.
0: Good. And I had a friend say, yeah, but what if you've got a topping on it? Like, you know, if you've got marshmallows. You know, that were on top of it when you baked it. I don't think that matters. I've thrown those in there, too. It's delicious. Yeah. sounds good. Or pecans. Just stir those in there, too. Right? Mm. Another fun idea, if you've got a lot of leftover mashed potatoes, try this. While they're cold, okay, out of the refrigerator, you can form them into patties, right? Dredge dredge them in crispy breadcrumbs, kind of like panko crumbs, and pan fry them in oil. Oh, it's a delicious potato cake.
1: Oh, man.
0: Yeah, that's that's good.
1: That's happening tonight. Right? So, if you've had enough
0: turkey and you want to make yourself a burger, you could have some potato cakes on the side. Right? Uh, One of my favorites is to take some of your leftover cranberry sauce and blend it into vanilla ice cream. Okay? (gasps) That sounds delicious. Cranberry milkshake. This is so much better
1: than putting it on a plate and tossing it in the microwave. Right? Okay. And folks,
0: if you did what I did and got your cranberry sauce 10 for 10. (laughs) No. So I got like eight extra cans of cranberry sauce. (laughs) Here, that's that's definitely a cranberry milkshake would be a great way to kind of use up some of that. Now let's talk about some good entrees. Things, ways that we can reinvent our turkey. Okay. Turn it around. Use it a second time. After you've had the main meal. And maybe you've had a a rerun of the main meal, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving evening, because you know I always say after the, the the main Thanksgiving meal in the middle of the day, I always make the they know to expect it, the proclamation. I'm not eating again for the rest of the day. I'm so full. I'm so stuffed. Till about 8 or
1: 9 o'clock. 8 or (laughs) 9 o'clock.
0: I start thinking about all those yummy leftovers. They start talking to you from the fridge. Yep, right. (laughs) And then I'm like, okay, remember what I said earlier? Forget that. (laughs) I'm going in. Mm. But how about this? You might have had a lot of heavy food. Why don't we freshen things up with a turkey, blue cheese, and almond salad with cranberry vinaigrette? Okay. All you have to do, folks, is layer these on salads. I mean, layer them on salad plates or on dinner plates. Um, You're going to do fresh greens on the bottom, like a bib lettuce or a spring mix. Those would both be good choices. Um, Your leftover chopped uh, roasted turkey, right? Put that over the top. Some crumbled blue or gorgonzola cheese. Some dried cranberries. I also will do sometimes sliced apples. Mm Um, Some chopped or sliced almonds, which is great. A little salt and pepper. And then what really makes it yummy is you drizzle the whole thing with a cranberry vinaigrette. Okay? Mm. All you need to make the cranberry vinaigrette is three-fourths of a cup of oil, a half a cup of white wine vinegar, a half a cup of cranberry sauce, right? Three tablespoons of sugar, a fourth of a teaspoon of salt. You're going to whisk everything together until the cranberry sauce is really incorporated into that. And drizzle that over your salad. Mm. It is good. That sounds super deep. Oh, man. Right? Go home and have this for lunch. Yes. Um, You can keep it stored in the refrigerator for up to about a week. There you go. Easy. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy i heard that i heard that on the walking dead this past week for those of you that watch that there's this horrible horrible bad guy on there called Negan, and he says easy peasy lemon squeezy and i'm like oh that's funny and then i remember how many people he's killed and i'm like no i don't like you i'm not gonna laugh at anything you say <laughs> now how about this a turkey and gruyere quiche Ooh. now i'm a big quiche lover. Oh, yes. And and Nick, you need to agree, real men do eat quiche. Oh,
1: yes. You, real men can destroy a quiche. It can destroy a <laughs> quiche. This is an
0: awesome one. I'm using my all time favorite quiche recipe here. Um, and you can incorporate this quiche recipe into different things. Normally I serve it in with, um, I do like a spicy sausage and mushroom quiche. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you keep the basic components intact, you can switch out those main ingredients. So this time we're going to use turkey and gruyere to Ooh. use up some of that wonderful oh, leftover yeah turkey right here's what you're going to do in a bowl you're going to whisk together a half a cup of milk or half and half okay so the half and half is even (laughs) richer and more decadent two eggs and a half a cup of mayonnaise one tablespoon of cornstarch and about two teaspoons of salt you're going to whisk that together until smooth then you're going to add in one cup of grated gruyere cheese one cup of grated cheddar cheese about a cup and a half of chopped turkey, right? So there goes your turkey, mm-hmm. and about a third of a cup of sliced green onions. Now mm-hmm. I, I'm doing um, half Gruyere, half half shredded cheddar, folks. I'm, it, this is a very flexible recipe. Mm. I've, I've know I have a friend who uses all Swiss cheese, all sweated sh- shredded twit, okay. shredded twit twit. Twi- twi- <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. So, really, whatever you've got in the house, any kind of cheese is going to be wonderful. You're going to combine all those ingredients together, pour them into one prepared pie crust, okay, Mm -hmm. and uh, bake it for about 45 minutes at 350 degrees until it's set Mm-hmm. This is so wonderful. About it, to say that sounds different. amazing. Yeah, it's different than the standard, you know, Thanksgiving thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and I love to serve this along with some cranberry sauce because, like I, I, I said,
1: we've you've we've, still got six cans. I left still at this got point, six right? cans. We got <laughs> to use
0: it up. Now, of all the things you can do with your leftover turkey, I want to say the most important. And, folks, this is such a waste when people throw these out. Um, turkey stock. You've got a turkey carcass. You've got the bones there, right? You probably, you know, by about Saturday, Sunday, you probably picked that sucker to death, right? All (laughs) the meat is off of it. Don't toss that beautiful turkey carcass in the trash. You want to make yourself some turkey stock because this is something that can be used for soups. Oh, yeah. Right. You can stir turkey stock into rice, risotto, pasta Mm. gives it a wonderful flavor, not to mention gravy. You got your leftover turkey stock. You can make gravy for, you know, you can freeze this. You can be making, you know, turkey gravy for for months after that, yeah, It's wonderful. You set for Christmas. Absolutely. So you're gonna use all of your turkey bones. You're gonna put uh, your turkey carcass, all the bones, um, into a maybe a three gallon stock mm-hmm. pot. If you need to break up that turkey to get it all fit in there, go right ahead. That's not a problem. You're gonna add about a pound of yellow onions. You can leave the skins on. Okay, <sighs> have them or quarter them depending on the size. Um, about a half a pound of carrots. A half a pound of celery stalks. You want to cut those up, and you can use the, the you know, the little flowery mm-hmm. end, the leafy end of the of the uh, celery also, and a good bit of salt and pepper. I'd say maybe a tablespoon of salt and about a teaspoon or two of pepper. Mm. Um, you're going to fill that with cold water until you've covered that turkey by about three inches. Probably going to need about six quarts of water. Sure. You're going to bring it to a rapid simmer. And simmer being the operative word here, guys, don't bring it to a boil. You want it to simmer for about two hours. And then about every 30 minutes, you'll want to go in and skim off the fat. They call it the scum, yes. the stuff that rises to yes. the top. Spin, uh, spoon that off. Just keep it at a nice low simmer for about two hours. Uh, that'll keep it from getting cloudy, all right? If you bring it to a boil, it's more likely to be cloudy. Mm. And then you want to strain it all out, okay? So I usually dump everything right through a colander yes. to catch all the bones and stuff. And then sometimes I'll pour the liquid again through a sieve just to, so that you get all the little particles out. You can freeze this. You know, it'll stay in the freezer for up to six months. Oh, wow. You got nice. all the turkey stock you need. There you go. Maybe last until next Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, well, maybe well no, no. About, June, about June, you're no, going to need to make yeah. another turkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, we'll be right back. Everybody eats when they come to my house. Hey, this is a party,
1: Marty.
0: And welcome back to the Southern Sisters radio program. Oh. Aww. That is officially our first Christmas song yes. on the Seven Sisters Show, it's right? it's
1: right around the corner. Oh, I know,
0: right? It's such a happy time of year. I love this time of year. Mm, just I gives you a good it. feeling inside, doesn't it? It does. Mm-mm-mm. Of course, I'm usually thinking about the food. That's the good feeling I'm talking <laughs> about. <laughs> There's just so much good food to enjoy. I do try to pace myself, you know.
1: Yes, you have to. I don't
0: indulge in everything at, <laughs> I, at once. I try to spread it out a little bit. <laughs> what, was, what was it this week? It was, oh, ginger snaps. I picked up these. Oh, man, I made ginger some snaps. amazing ginger snaps Ooh, this week. Yeah, that was yum. my... Yeah, that was my first official week of the Christmas season snack. Uh. Yeah, can't have it all at once. (laughs) Well, folks, we told you for a a segment that we were going to give away a cookbook. We weren't lying. We're going to do it right now. So, for those of you that would like to receive a copy of my latest cookbook, Seasons in the South, Mm. and let me tell you, the winter section of this book is loaded with yummy, warm, comforty, you know, cold Mm. weather food. Warm you up, food. Warm you up, good. Mm. The whole book is filled that way, really. But it's all about life in the South, eating through the seasons. Um, So you kind of eat your way through spring, summer, autumn, and winter. The book is filled with Southern stories and quotes and little anecdotes, reflections on Southern culture. And guess what? I'm going to give away two of them this hour. Two of them? Yes, and I'm not going to make you you work for them. I never like those shows where they make you, you know... I don't know, do silly things.
1: Seventeenth color. No, I'm not gonna make no first of all
0: I, first of all, neither me nor Nick feels like counting the phone calls. So <laughs> True. all you gotta do is email us. Let's make it easy. The first two folks to do so will get a copy of my latest cookbook, Seasons in the South. What do they have to say to you? Well they, no, they just have to tell me how much they love the show. There you go. I'm there not asking go. for much, folks. <laughs> just, no, email us at radio at southern sisters home dot com. Okay? That's there all you, you gotta go. do. Simple. Said easy, and done. Peasy. Easy and you're set pe- for
1: some good Christmas
0: um, recipes. Yes, ready and blow the family away. I know, right? And that actually leads us to our next special that we're doing on our on our website at the southern dot com. We have a very special uh, show, a very special uh, special going on for our listeners. If you go to the website, you can pick up a copy of either one of my cookbooks for holiday gifts. Right. Yes. Your, it makes a great gift for your friends and loved Absolutely. ones. Absolutely. If you go to southernsistershome.com dot com and click on um shop or click on the cookbooks, mm-hmm. you can pick one up for thirty percent off. Thirty mm-hmm. percent off. It's Very a good. Nice. It's a good deal. All you have to do is use promo code Sisters S I S T E R S at there checkout. You know. Said and done. done. Right. Thirty percent off. Mm. That's pretty. It's a good deal. Right. I love that Christmas music wish we could listen to that again. I'm going to listen to that later on the way home. It kind of mellows me out, too. That's my Christmas jazz. I
1: was about to say, I might have to get a copy of that album from you, Ginny. It's I a good that. one. nice isn't and smooth it? and just kind of uplifting. Well,
0: you know how some Christmas music gets a, can, can grate on your nerves after a while? Oh, yeah. You know, it's a little too yeah. jingly. But this just <sighs> smooth, isn't it? Hello. Oh, that leads me right into this segment, which is Southern Christmas Traditions. And guys, I know you've got them. We've all got them. Oh yes, and, and some are a little different than others, that's right? right. There's some crazy ones out there too. There's
1: some odd ones. Yeah, there's some, sure. some very odd ones.
0: <laughs> I, and I've, I know some, yeah, I know some odd people that have some odd traditions. <laughs> uh, but this is a, this is a judge-free zone, guys. So your tradition, if it's something that's special to you and your family, then we are just perfectly okay with that. Now, of course, we know that Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without the South. All right. Now, we may not get a white Christmas here and around these southern states. Right. Uh, But our southern ancestors are responsible for many of the great celebrations and traditions that we experience across America. Yeah, absolutely. Our southern Christmas traditions are actually America's Christmas traditions. Okay. now, Southerners were some of the first people to adopt Christmas in the states. During the colonial times, Southerners were, shall we say, more susceptible to European influences than their northern Puritan counterparts. Mm -hmm. Right. So Louisiana, Alabama and Arkansas, those were the first states to make Christmas an official holiday. And by the time President Grant made Christmas a national holiday in 1870, many of our beloved Christmas traditions had already spread across the country. All right. One of my favorite, number one, magnolia leaves.
1: Oh, yes. Okay.
0: So as y'all certainly know, magnolia trees are evergreens, right? Now, nobody is using a magnolia tree as a Christmas tree, but we certainly <laughs> don't shy away from from decorating. This is one of my favorite things to do. Oh, Nick. absolutely. I finally have a magnolia tree in my yard. Really? But but in previous houses I did not. So I have I've been known to knock on the door of my neighbors and ask them if I could <laughs> take a few clippings. <laughs> why why pay for them when you've got a neighbor that will exactly. likely, you know, you give you one. So it's always important to have good relations with your neighbors, guys, because you never know <laughs> when you might need a cup of sugar or a magnolia Couple branch. Magnolia, <laughs> and do ask. Don't be caught sneaking up behind their tree and clipping it. Not, not that Don't I would know. That. Not that I would know what that's like.
1: <laughs> Jenny, just wait till
0: it's dark. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Okay, so many traditional Southern homes will have a magnolia wreath on their front door, and sometimes you can also use them on your mantle and your centerpieces. I love the glossy dark green leaves. Mm. Right, um, you can mix them with berries and fruit. They're just a perfect drop uh, backdrop to any. Uh, Southern Christmas decor. Okay. Number two, citrus fruits. This is another contribution we made to, uh, I guess, Christmas traditions. Hmm. Uh, Magnolia leaves kind of easily lead us into citrus fruits when we think about decorating. There isn't a Southern kid who didn't get oranges or clementines in their Christmas stocking every year long ago. Hmm. All right. Now, for those of us who grew up in the, well, shall we say, 60s, 70s era. <laughs> Don't do any math. They're on my age. We didn't quite understand the tradition, but hey, it was better, right? I would take an orange over a pack of underwear in my Christmas stocking True. any day of the week.
1: There was always a clementine or two at the bottom of my stocking. I know, The right? very bottom.
0: Right? Yeah. And it kind of fits in the toe, <laughs> it right? Does, it fits in the toe exactly perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the early 20th century, folks, citrus was not readily available in the rural South. Now, you would see exotic oranges and pineapples pop up in port cities, but it didn't get much further than that. And plus, during the depression a sack of oranges could cost a family more than a sack of flour okay now flour was a necessity oranges were not so you can see how pulling a sweet citrus fruit out of your stocking on Christmas morning would be an extra special treat right so we keep that tradition alive today by decorating with citrus during the holidays adding oranges to your centerpiece it's a it's an inexpensive way and it adds beautiful color also Mm -hmm. love it how about uh, this other tradition a candle in each window uh, right. You've seen that done, right? Yes. And this is one of my favorite traditions because it combines, uh, you know, heritage and Christmas together. Now, if you drive through a neighborhood in the South during Christmas, you're bound to see many homes with just a single candle glowing in each window. This tradition was brought to the States by the Irish, mm-hmm. right, When who settled in Colonial Williamsburg. These immigrants lit a candle in each window to demonstrate loyalty to loved ones who couldn't be with them for the holidays. That's awesome. Right. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm.
1: It says a lot about... It says a lot about...
0: Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Um, okay, so then also, we have to remember that this becomes a, a fire hazard. Yeah, okay, yes. so you may know... Those little electric uh, uh, candle lights,
1: I know the, it's not quite as elegant because yeah. it's not an actual candle, but those are great. My mom has always had one right
0: outside. They're and, wonderful. And yeah, don't don't be, sta- don't in be as well. you know, duct taping a... a, a, a Handle to the the window and light it on fire. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. No. (laughs) That could end very badly. Put a damper on your Christmas. Just a little bit. Your house burns down. Just a little bit. We don't want that. How about poinsettias? Of course. Yeah? Okay. Now, I bet you didn't know that the official flower of Christmas has southern roots. I did not. Mm. You always learn something new on this show, don't you, Of course. Yes, you do. (laughs) The poinsettia was a traditional Christmas decoration in Mexico, right? When Charleston, South Carolina minister, Joel Robert Poinsett got Uh it, traveled there to Mexico in 1825. He loved the flower so much that he brought it back to Charleston with him. He quickly grew to become a, uh, or the the flower itself, quickly grew to become a southern Christmas tradition, and eventually it became known as the poinsettia. Ah. Poinsettia. Okay. How about that? Very nice. How about some George Washington eggnog?
1: George Washington Mm. eggnog?
0: Listen to this. So everybody loves this delicious alcoholic treat over the holidays, but good southerners know the best recipe, comes from the father of our country, President George Washington himself. Now, he had his own special recipe that he would serve um, at the presidential mansion. Today, we still savor its strong nog down south at Christmas. Now, Mm. this is, I love this. This is Washington's eggnog recipe in his handwriting, in his words. Really? This is what he said. You ready for this? I love this. He said, and I quote, one quart cream, one quart milk, one dozen tablespoons sugar. (laughs)
1: wow yeah yeah
0: one pint brandy one half pint rye whiskey one half pint jamaica rum i I can imagine where this is going with the rum part i'm kind of imagining george washington like you know i want some rum mon (laughs) (laughs) give me some rum (laughs) oh i gotta keep going one quarter pint sherry that's the final ingredient so what you're gonna do here is you're gonna mix the liquor together first then you're gonna separate yolks and whites of eggs Wait a minute. I'm still I'm still in, in George Washington's words here. Okay. Uh, and add the sugar to the beaten eggs, mix well, add the milk and cream slowly beating, beat the whites of the eggs until stiff, stiff and fold slowly into the mixture. Let sit in cool place for several days and I loved his last two words. George Washington's final two words in this recipe. Taste frequently
1: taste frequently.
0: <laughs> yes. I bet old George was sneaking <laughs> off to his eggnog stash, don't you bet? <laughs> oh, this is fabulous. Guys, if you want to make your own eggnog at home, this is easy to do. I am going to post the recipe on the websites. we made just a couple little tweaks that maybe apply to modern preparation. day preparation. <laughs> <laughs> you got it? I uh-huh, the
1: brandy and the rum and the rye. And, yeah, okay. I know. I can stick to those ingredients.
0: Right? I know. <laughs> now, I bet you have some of your own special Christmas traditions. Well, I talked about some of the classic ones The ones that are kind of known here in the South, Uh, you know, but we would love to hear what some of your special Christmas traditions are. Even the weird ones.
1: Those are the best ones. The weird ones
0: are are the fun ones. I have a friend who their Christmas Eve tradition is Chinese food. Really? Yeah. You know, <laughs> And for a lot of Italian families, uh, uh, you know, American Italian families, they do, you know, Italian food on Christmas Eve. that make sense, Yeah. Though. But if you've got a really fun one, we would love to hear about it. Please email me. You can tell me all about it. Maybe you'll even want a cookbook. Yeah, there uh, you go. I'm going work for it hey. now, right? Radio at southernsistershome.com. And visit our website, too, southernsistershome.com. And we'll be right back. Southern Sisters radio show. Now, with your Southern narrative, sharing stories from around the South, here is your host, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Take Your Best Shot by David Petzel. Although I'm a card carrying Yankee, I've spent a great deal of time in the South and can testify that if I wanted to live there and gain social acceptance, I would need to know how to tell a story, put on a pig pole, pick a guitar and shoot good. This last may seem an odd addition to the list, but the fact is that below the Mason-Dixon line, skill with firearms has long been venerated, and I'm here to tell you the two secrets of becoming proficient, or better, with a gun. A friend of mine once said, all the really good shots I know have the nervous systems of serpents. Serpents don't worry about whether they'll look stupid or inept if they can't hit what they aim at. They probably don't think very much about it at all. Oh, they may think, pickup truck, make me flat. Or, don't bite setter because owner has gun. But it probably doesn't go beyond that. Good shots, like serpents, think about nothing. If you're at a dove shoot with people watching you, for example, you'll come to the somewhat correct conclusion that it's now impossible to hit a dove with a charge of shot. Because you're thinking that you look like an oaf Your brain will short-circuit your nervous system Your hand-eye coordination will go elsewhere And you'll slink from the field like a whipped dog However, if you master the way of the reptile Your brain will not even consider such questions And you will shoot as the serpent strikes The other secret is practice I don't mean to go out once in a while and shoot casually I mean go out a lot and shoot until there's a pool of your own blood on the ground. I mentioned guitar playing earlier. I myself was only a proficient amateur, but I played with professionals, and the differences between them and me were talent. They had a lot more than I did, and the amount of practice they put in. They played compulsively. They played all the time. One of them, who went on to win a Grammy or two, Once spent four hours in the bathroom simultaneously combating intestinal upset and working on some hot guitar licks. You may be one of those rare and gifted people who can pick up a gun cold and hit with it, but most likely you're not. If that's so, buy a ton of ammo and head to the range and shoot. And as you do so, think about absolutely nothing. Raise a glass with confidence. From the Southerners' Handbook, A Guide to Good Living, by the editors of Garden and Gun. Southern Oratory is not the sole province of elaborately whiskied statesmen of the musty past, though there are certainly sterling and oft-quoted exemplars. It's a tradition that carries through to the present day, and most everybody at one time or another will face a particularly fraught moment of public discourse, the Wedding Toast which can cause even the most experienced speaker to go off the rails. Etiquette expert Diane Gortzman of the Protocol School of Texas can tell you stories to curdle your champagne. Roasting instead of toasting happens way too often, she says. People like to hear themselves talk, and when they make jokes at the expense of the bride or groom or whomever, it only fuels the fire if people laugh, even nervously. You need someone with a hook to take a bad toaster off stage. If you'd rather not suffer a vaudevillian extraction from the spotlight, follow Gottsman's advice for giving a worthy and classy send-off. First and foremost, be prepared. A beautiful toast has everything to do with planning and rehearsing, but still making it seem off-the-cuff, Gottsman says. Still, that doesn't mean that there isn't a little room to go with the flow so don't get flustered if your perfectly planned speech doesn't go quite so perfectly when you stand up it's okay if it doesn't come out exactly how it was planned roll with whatever you feel and have confidence just remember this really isn't about you so keep the focus off yourself and on the honorees you may be a small part of the story Gotsman says but you should not be the story and whatever you do absolutely no anecdotes about people's exes Finally, if you think you might be going on too long, you probably are. My philosophy is keep it short and sweet. Stand up, speak up, and then shut up. Gottsman says. There are people waiting behind you. If you're having trouble figuring out how to close in style, don't overthink it. Remember that everyone loves the sound of their own name. How about this? We all wish you love, happiness, and long life, and then name the bride and groom. And certainly Get their names right and pronounce them correctly, which can be difficult if you've had too much to drink. Get Invited Back from the Southerner's Handbook. Raucous cocktail parties, intimate dinners, weekend guests, Southerners tend to enjoy opening up their homes. Our famous hospitality is built on a foundation of good manners and reciprocity, though, which makes the Southern host acutely appreciative of a gracious house guest and equally disdainful of those who fall short, you don't need an etiquette lesson to follow the well-worn principles of common courtesy. Just remember the golden rule. But try these tips to go beyond the basics, like making the bed, and really impress your host. Number one, bear a memorable gift. Sure, some good wine or a bottle of bourbon is nice, but set yourself apart with a more personal gift. A beautifully bound edition of a favorite book, for instance, or customized letterpress stationery. Also key, choosing a gift your hosts will use and enjoy after you've gone, not one they might feel pressured to serve during your visit. Try a planter filled with a ready-made herb garden or some mosquito-repellent citronella for the porch. Number two, pitch in. Everyone will give a cursory, can I help? Few folks actually put some thought into it. Be specific. Offer to walk the dog or set the table. Just finished dinner? How about this? Let me do the dishes. But if your offer to assist is declined, get out of the way. Badgering to help can be as exasperating as expecting to be waited on. Number three, go with the flow. Pay attention to how your hosts run the household and follow along with a smile. It's their home, so honor their rules, even if that means leaving your shoes at the door. So, too, their schedule. If everyone else is up and rolling by 8 a.m., it's probably not such a great idea to come stumbling out bleary-eyed in pajama cloud at noon. Number four, give some space. Don't expect to be entertained and fed constantly during your stay. Independence is a virtue among house guests. Pack books and magazines, go for a walk, Or plan a couple of quick side trips to give your hosts a few hours to relax and unwind. And finally, say thanks. The power of a handwritten thank you note can't be overstated. Just be prompt about it. A good Southern host might likely follow up with his own thank you note, thinking of you and thanking you for your visit. You'll want yours to arrive first. Punch will party. The number of punches traditional in Southern society is astronomical, Eugene Walter once marveled. A writer and chef, Walter was born in Mobile, Alabama, caught matinees there with Truman Capote as a kid, and later hung out with such luminaries as Fellini, Elliott, and Faulkner. He was also a remarkably talented party host who could extract festivity out of a few loaves of bread, peanut butter, dill pickles, and some bacon. All of his punches were designed for celebration, which is to say they featured plenty of sparkling wine. Walter suggested combining chilled champagne with candied ginger, white rum, and cognac, or stirring two bottles of bubbly into a bowl full of wet red wine, brandy, and sugar. Sounds like a recipe for a party bound to end early, or badly, or both. Or going on and on, outrageously, depending on the guest list. But one of the most storied and potent champagne-enhanced party mixes is the Chatham Artillery Punch, described by Walter as a famous Savannah charmer. Indeed, it takes only a cup or two for most drinkers to fall under the spell of its tasty tipple which takes its name from Georgia's oldest military unit and may date back to the colonial era. Early documentation of the drink is sparse, but it was almost certainly served in 1819 when President James Monroe stopped by Savannah. Back then, the stuff was mixed up in a horse bucket, but it works just as well when prepared in a silver bowl or a plastic cooler, whether you're parting in honor of an engagement or a game. The following preparation is from Damon Lee Fowler, author of The Savannah Cookbook. Starting at least two days before you plan to serve some Chatham artillery, soak two ounces of green tea leaves in a quart of cold water. After a day and a half or so, mix the infused water with the juices of three lemons and a half pound of light brown sugar. Add one quart a piece of dark rum, brandy, and bourbon. Let all that mingle at room temperature for at least eight hours before you pour it over a block of ice, and add three bottles of champagne. Then stand back. Well, we're wrapping it up now for the Southern Sisters radio program. I hope y'all have a great Saturday, a wonderful weekend as you start getting in the Christmas spirit.
1: Yes, right around the corner, Mm. folks.
0: And remember all of our fun, uh, what did I call them? Extraordinary Thanksgiving leftover recipes are on the website. Our turkey and gruyere uh, quiche, remember Mm. that one? Um, Mm. Our amazing turkey and blue cheese, our um, cranberry vinaigrette salad. salad. Folks, all of that is on the site. Just go check it out. SouthernSistersHome.com. Click on the blog it's all there and don't forget we are giving away the cookbooks yes. email me at radio at southern sisters home.com tell me you want one we have two to give away and they're on sale on the website
1: there you go Hello. so even if you don't win a free one you can get a couple for
0: 30 percent off not with quite prom- a
1: stocking stuffer but
0: well if you could cram it in there if you had to yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway
0: i'll go there and use promo code sisters i hope you have a great week